0: That Zendikar Rising has arrived and the web fiction is in full flow. It has been time enough to dig through and digest some of the more nuanced flavour beats in the set's card list. But with so much riding on this return set in terms of player expectation, have WotC struck the right balance between nostalgia and fresh ideas? And what choices have we been most intrigued by? Welcome to Magic the Flavouring, the Magic the Gathering podcast, where we talk about all things magic, flavour design, and lore. I'm your host, Andy Mann. Hello, this is Nathan Cancel, and today we are going to be going through our flavor picks or our flavor highlights, I should say, for Zendikar Rising. Um, yeah, the set's all out now, right? And we're deep in the stories, so we we did like our what we were hyped for a couple of weeks ago, and this episode is definitely different to that one. And anyone who says any different is a liar and a cad because this is a completely <laughs> different episode where we're doing flavour highlights and not flavour hypes, which are two very different things, um, and definitely not something which we just decided to do because we couldn't think of anything else better to do because there's not much else going on in Magic. You know, um, you know there
1: wasn't, there wasn't going to be a single mention of it until you've just gone on a mention of it,
0: right? I mean, this was, this was something <laughs> that when we decided to do it and I was looking at my flavour highlights, uh, I went, oh, yeah, what about this card? I oh, know I already mentioned that in that previous episode. Oh, what about this thing? I already mentioned that in my previous episode. Oh no, but this is very different. This is something that, um, so we've yeah. now had the whole set out. We can now digest some of the flavor and because we're getting some of the stories in and because we're now getting to know uh, some of the legendaries a bit more, especially, um, we can kind of sort of see where all these little flavor beats are some of the references to older sets, all this kind of stuff. Um, I've gone for five individual cards that have kind of sprawling uh, roots going off of it that I think are quite interesting. But You've gone the other way. You've kind of gotten uh, a few sort of flavor beats that are kind of present throughout the entire card list that you kind of want to Mm. talk about, which is nice. We're coming at it from different angles, which is pretty cool. Um, I mean, how's your week been? Before we jump into it, I I haven't spoken to you for like a week. Are you all right? How are you?
1: I'm good. Yeah, I can't complain. But I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Um, working um a karaoke pizzeria, which when you're not supposed to be vertical drinking or sort of speak particularly loudly at venues, um, is a really hard thing to manage. But we've got an interesting kind of like a shower, like singing in the shower theme. So we've installed showers on the stage, so you you know you're COVID friendly and you're all like you know locked in, so you can't you know disperse <laughs> your your plague to other sorry, people. So it works. It, yeah, you like your, your
0: screens are those shower curtains. So now you're singing in the shower as opposed to just singing on a stage. Like, well, the, no, like, even
1: like, even on the stage, we've actually installed legitimate, like, actual walk-in showers, like with oh, the that's whole, like, very cool sliding doors or that shit. Yeah, so um, yeah, so it's, it's a really clever idea. Um, We're obviously having to adjust day by day, you know, with the number of people allowed to be on the table that kind of thing. So beyond all of that, actually, it's actually a really good week. Can't really complain, like, you know. We, yeah. we, made, we made an okay amount of money considering the economic climate. So yeah, yeah for sure. it's It's
0: an interesting thing like uh for those for people who don't really know about mine and nathan's work life both of us work in kind of creative hospitality so things like immersive events or uh, kind of like theme bars or this kind of thing um and it is it has been a challenge to find creative ways to be covid safe because in the uk with our guidelines this might this all this might sound horrifying to a bunch of our us listeners especially who are all still very much in lockdown in the uk we don't have quite the same lockdown rules um and our businesses can be open, although we can't see a lot of members of our family because our rules are completely backwards and insane. But the businesses are open. Um, so yeah, trying to find ways to be safe and also creative is, is proving like a new challenge. Um, conversely, my work <laughs> might not reopen. Uh, so we will see. So that's the kind of two ends of the spectrum. But uh, I've had an alright week. I am now 30 years old, officially. Uh, I think Ooh. the last podcast... Yeah great. You sound That's so excited wonderful. about it. I mean, whatever. <laughs> like, I had a lot of people telling me things like, um, oh, your 30s are, like, just like your just like your 20s. But instead, you know yourself a bit better. You don't give a shit about the things you don't give a shit about. You're not trying to prove anything. And also, you tend to have a bit more money as well, which, you know, so it's like an, a, an advanced version of your 20s. And I entered my 30s uh, during a global pandemic, uh, where I've all but lost <laughs> my job. So sweet
1: i guess <laughs> yeah take that 20s yeah you, you didn't have nothing
0: we have got thirties.
1: yeah, we hit 30s.
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> great so let's oh, talk man. about magic cards right yeah <laughs> um, um cool all right so yeah you kick us off dude because i think you've got a bit more of a nebulous uh sort of amorphous blob of flavor that you want to talk about so yeah. why don't you kick us off so i've got like, my first general point because so i was looking um so my, my way of
1: going through this was going through um mythic spoiler because it does uh, put everything categorised by colour on one page. It's quite easy to digest and compare and all that nonsense. And one thing that I noticed that a lot of the rares in this set have a lot of text on them, which means that a lot of them don't have any flavour text. Now, mm. for the typical things like the, um, the the kicker modal spells and that kind of thing, it's not so important. The thing that it did make me notice is that most of the legends don't have active flavor text on the card. So it's Tabarak, Drada, Morog, Ashaya, Tazri, Livala, Phileth, Zagras, Vazarol, Grackmore, None of these have any flavor text. The mm. counterpoint to that is that they have done the um, Legends of Zendikar Rising article page. So if you aren't aware and you did, and you did think they were lacking flavour, go and have a look at that because every single legendary in the set has a little excerpt, even says at the bottom which stories they've been in, which stories they might be in in the future or what stories they've been in from past um, sets. So I think, for example, Drana has a story from Zendikar, um, from um, out of Zendikar, rather than having one for this, um, for this set, and we probably won't get one for this set for her, but there is flavor if you want to go and look for it.
0: Yeah, they kind of replaced the law slides. So instead of having like just little boxes of somewhat questionably written law slides, now they actually have like a fully fledged kind of like paragraph, an almost double of like what the law slide was, um, which is kind of an interesting tweak that they've done on it. But
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. I think it's interesting because it does mean that the more uh, complicated cards, more interesting cards, you're not necessarily going to get much from. Obviously, some of the things like adding kicker to a card does add a whole line of text that kind of maybe takes away from the flavour text potential because obviously it's a whole other line that has to be given a whole line of space. So that's maybe something to th- like to, to look I don't know if they'll consider this, uh, but it is something to consider from A4Pho's point of view is that if, if you want a nice complicated, in-depth mechanical set, you're more likely to lose out on flavour because there just only is so much you know space, you know, equity on a card. Um, so that's mm. one thing I Notice it's, it was only really annoying on the card like throne of McK- mckinney because you didn't get any flavor text on it and it's a really interesting thing to have a, a, a land that cares specifically about kicker spells we don't really know that much about mckinney as a place anyway we didn't get any elucidation on it from the card itself those are the kind of things that I kind of maybe feel like maybe not well, it was a missed opportunity, but um, obviously you have to... This is why when I originally was uh, drafting for the set, I was saying like, oh, maybe we should look at the commons and the uncommons because realistically that's where a lot of the flavour is because a lot of these cards actually have the space to actually put some flavour text on them. Then the other point I had was like looking through them, surprisingly, as much as Zendikar is like super rich in its, um, its world building... Um, a lot of the flavour texts that I saw were really generic statements, either from the character themselves as a point of view kind of statement of, um, we shall persevere, or like there was um, one, of, one of the um, black cards is a silencer and the only flavour text is just the, the quote, hush. Which is fine, yeah. and it does to give a um a direct like personable approach to the cards um but between that and a lot of the um a lot of the uh, party cards um or parts like you know the clerics the rogues um the wizards, and the warriors, uh, most of them are just listing kind of what their specific skills are, so it's kind of interesting that a lot of the flavor for the set does seem to be forced towards the um away from the world building of the set necessarily like uh but more specific um, on the specific characters you know their direction their voice specifically what their uh, attributes that um are good to specific um you know tasks that kind of thing the only problem with that is that it did for, for me as i was going through it didn't necessarily expand my worldview as kind of narrowed me down to like personal personal points which for me does feel a little bit more generic um like it didn't necessarily give me much um much more information on the person beyond hey i'm really good with ropes you want me if we're going to go roping um uh, those like my two like my two gripes as i went through like the entire set because i did find i mean that's not not to say there aren't still amazing flavor highlights in it but as a generic set it is surprising when zendikar was such a vibrant place that we don't actually hear much about necessarily zendikar itself and that's for me personally quite noticeable having
0: been there for the last two sets do you, do you know what I think that is? I think I don't. I don't think you're wrong. I think one of my flavor picks. In fact, my first kind of flavor highlight will actually explore some of the flavor text. So it might go some ways to kind of um, giving you some idea of how I take the flavor text situation. But I think you're right in terms of a lot of the flavor text does seem very uh, specific to the individual on the card rather than the world building in general. But I think that's that's something to do with the visual style of the set. Mm. Zendikar is a very visual plane, and I know that kind of sounds a bit wanky because obviously every plane is visual plane because that's how you tell stories. But Zendikar has such a distinctive look to it that I think the artwork does a lot to tell the story. When we had Ant Testor on uh, a few months back, and he was talking about writing for Magic, he was saying that a lot of the kind of ebb and flow of flavor text comes from if you know what the art's going to be. Um, and like flavor text can change and morph throughout the process because it's the most easy one to kind of change on the fly. You can't change an artist halfway through them doing a painting, but a flavor text writer can change what they're doing right up until they send off the cards to do print. Um, So I think maybe that has something to do with it. The fact that a lot of these cards are very visual in the way that they tell their stories, a lot of the artwork is very evocative. Maybe the flavor text writers thought they had a little less to do with the world building, Mm. and maybe a little bit more to do in the moment. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, it's, firm. it's just something I noticed. I mean, I did. I was tempted to then go back through all of like the last few sets and then have the same kind of idea of looking at what the flavour text is trying to do for the set as a whole. Um, obviously, the artwork for Zendikar is, as you've said, exceptionally striking, and it does hold a lot of, uh, I'd say, 7 out of 10 of the flavour um, for the mm. set because it is massively um, engaging, and it's usually super vibrant. It has you know, interesting architecture um, or landscapes and that kind of thing. And even the individual characters, they're all very... In- well in, that's interesting because that's that's just generic and saying the same word again, but they do have um specificity and that's the whole point of the party aspect is it's supposed to be in each individual has its has a personality and and their own individualism um so I do mm. understand what you mean i think I think it's just interesting to to see that you know a set that we have been then for the third time there might be not as much to explain about the the the, the plane and it might be more that they have more to explain especially in this set when we are looking at the party mechanic about the individuals and about their individual purposes so yeah potentially
0: i think i think you're on the money there um all right well my first big flavor pick then is gonna i'm gonna continue on with the the flavor text aspect because i think again this might go some way to to showing how i've kind of approached the flavor text because so the first uh kind of pillar of my flavor highlights is drana the last blood chief um so this is a card that i spoke about in our flavor hypes episode um about the artwork specifically the tyler jacobson artwork which is phenomenal Uh, i'm not going to talk about the artwork this time Uh, I'm going to talk about Drana herself, because she is back, Um, and you're right, on her card itself, there's no flavour text, it's all uh, uh, abilities. But her name, Drana the Last Chief, is an interesting flavour pick, because... The vampires of uh, Zendikar are ruled by the blood chiefs, which are the head of the five families in modern day Zendikar. Um, and each blood chief uh, is the head of this clan, and only blood chiefs can make more pure vampires. Mm. Other vampires on Zendikar, when they drain something of their blood, they turn them into nulls, which are essentially the zombies of the plane. They're kind of like uh, their sort of familiars, um, which, you know, isn't in vampire folklore and fantasy is kind of a thing, but they really hammer home on Zendikar. So it's only the blood chiefs that can actually make more vampires out of living things. The fact that Drona is the last blood chief says a whole lot. Firstly, Kalitas. Kalitas? I always say that Uh, name wrong. I think it's the first one. I think it's Kalitas. So yeah, it sounds a little bit STD to me. I don't know why. (laughs) Kalitas. (laughs) Sounds infectious, right? I think that's probably on purpose. Um, He was the uh, blood chief for the Get family uh, Mm. and were loyalists to the Eldrazi. So again, another little bit of vampire lore for the vampires on Zendikar the vampires were presumably core elf or humans that were then transformed by the impurities caused by the the Eldrazi in ancient Zendikar when the Eldrazi were imprisoned away. So they're a direct result of the Eldrazi presence on the plane. So some vampires, especially when the Eldrazi rose and the Battle for Zendikar happened in the last set, felt that their best sort of chance of kind of gaining power was to ally themselves with the Eldrazi, who were their masters and this is seen as very much like a, a slave master kind of dynamic so uh, Calatas, because the Get were the least powerful of all the, all the vampire clans, seized, wanted to seize power by allying themselves with Eldrazi Drana, who was the uh, blood chief for the Kalistra family, which were the most powerful and highborn of all the vampires, decided that she wanted their traditions and freedom that they developed since the Eldrazi were locked away to maintain and continue on. And even though vampires are distrusted by all the other races on the plane, they were still wanting to ally themselves with all the ally races against the Eldrazi. So there's this kind of uh, civil war within the vampire clan. Mm. We didn't really know what happened to Kalitas. It wasn't ever specified in the stories. But the fact that Drana is now called the last blood chief Mm -hmm. leads us to believe that Kalitas is no longer around, um, which is kind of interesting in itself. Um, But there's also this kind of this bigger thing. So, yeah, Drana doesn't have any flavor text, but there are plenty of other vampire cards and associated cards that do. Blood Chief's Thirst, which is a black sorcery, has the flavour text, We are free. It is our duty to live well. Uh, Highborn Vampire, which is a vanilla 4-3, the whole uh, text box is flavour text, uh, With the Blood Chiefs annihilated in the fight between the free and enthralled, the swamps around Malachir are full of dangerous young vampires eager to make their marks. Uh, Marauding blight priest, which is a three-two vampire cleric. Uh, the vampires never had gods. We followed our blood chiefs. Now they are gone. What is left? Destruction and death, my friends. That is enough. Uh, Sign of the swarm. I'm going to keep going. Uh, vampires are now <laughs> masters of their own fates. Commanders with their own legions. Uh, Oblivion's hunger. Indulge the void. Become the void. Consume all you touch drana the last blood chief pause on that
1: one because that one's interesting because i like how you did mention the fact of get of of kalitas as well because obviously the last set we had them in drana was the liberator of Malakir, whereas uh, kalitas was the traitor of get so even if that's the last statement of these two different mm-hmm. blood chiefs it does seem that drana has changed her tune a little um, and oblivion's hunger is one of these ones right if it, it may it kind of made me stop and go wait so what is the intention how what are, are they I mean, because this is one of the more interesting things, and I had, I have this written down as, in one of my um, like flavor points for the entire set, is that the vampires have a very interesting undercurrent of story throughout this entire set that I really, really hope that we do get to a, a story um, on like at some point. The fact that the um, the Legends of um, Zendikar Rising doesn't state that is going to get one is a bit annoying because it makes me feel like maybe we might not get any more elucidation beyond the flavor text. But across the entire set, I think that's probably one of the things that's the most interesting to glean that if you weren't paying attention, is that the vampires have very much change their tune and obviously they are a a race based on hunger and if they are getting killed out and 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 getting um you know not necessarily like they're fading into extinction because they've got immortality on their side but if they are feeling you know completely cornered then a cornered animal does tend to bite um and obviously vampires are known for biting in general so it is an interesting um an interesting thing that if they are downplaying it i wonder why they're downplaying it
0: yeah for sure i mean this this is why i thought it was it was worth bringing up because the vampires in uh, the last set for example especially the ones which had like allies as a subtype or the fact that they had a civil war as this story that meant that by their very nature some of the vampires were seen as if not heroic then at least anti-heroic right so there were mm. vampires that were fighting for the forces of good and there was this whole kind of push and pull in the in the previous sets where vampires weren't trying to prove themselves like they were good but they were definitely trying to gain the trust of the other races to be like hey we are trying to fight for zendikar we're trying to deal with our own shit in our own mm-hmm. clans that we're fighting against um this is something we can do together and there's a notable absence in this set i'm just looking at the for now of any vampires which are black and white in their color identities, yeah, which in yeah. the last set was a big deal, so the mm-hmm. white has now gone from the vampires in this set, and they are purely black, which definitely shows a shift in what well, they're all about.
1: Zagras is red as well. The thieves so I okay,
0: thieves. well yeah, well so Zagras is an interesting character because his uh, little bit of lore flavored text uh, in the on the mothership article says that he's the right hand of Drana, so he's. Her dude, essentially. Mm. So he's going out into Zendikar to try and find in the Skyclaves and all the ancient core Skyclaves that seem to have popped up, a way to make more blood cheaps. This is now Drana's thing in this set, that she wants to find a way to make more vampire progenitors so that through war or famine or whatever the vampires don't suddenly die out when she dies out, right? Mm. So yes, he's black-red. I wonder if that was done for colour balancing or because of his... uh... Yeah, his role is like a rogue, maybe, because like the rogue within that color pie would suggest that he would be black red. Mm. Um, I think the idea is he's got a
1: little bit more, um, he's got a bit more, uh, he's a bit more verve uh, to do it. Because I think the whole point is that he's got that, that passion. Because in his floor side, one of the most interesting things is that he goes up to um, basically adventuring parties will wake up some some days and they're, um, they're rogue. They're, obviously, in their adventuring party, he's been replaced by Zagras, who offers yes. his apologies and service. So I feel like it's because he's so zealous in the way that he wants to achieve Drana's goals that gives him that red impassioned fervor kind of aspect
0: i agree um there's one white black vampire in this set so it's cleric of life's bond uh and it uh, gains your life and it puts one one counters on himself so that's the white there for sure so he's all cleric uh, creature type that's the white so there's one white black vampire but that definitely doesn't go a long way to kind of sync up with the black-white vampires that we saw of old, which there were many in previous sets. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I just think there's definitely a tonal shift. I don't think Drana's necessarily a villainous figure now. I just think that mm-hmm. as opposed to her going, we need to fight with Zendikar to save our species, now she's like, I need to fight for my species on my own terms. And I just kind of mm-hmm. think that's a nice little uh, little flavour beat. So yeah, that's yeah, I, guess, it, Drana. I
1: guess it's also interesting um, that the vampires had to make a choice of whether they go along with their Eldrazi masters I say with air quotes or obviously ally with Zendikar when the Eldrazi don't even take kind of you know they don't take piety very well that they're not, they're not gonna be like hey yeah you're, you're supporting us right cool Brofist. oh I've just dusted them oh shit hmm. you know like they don't have any allegiance so I think it was interesting to think that now obviously if the only thing if the rest of the if the rest of the plane turns around and makes you a pariah because you were you know the spawn of these these hellish you know quasi godlike things and you don't even necessarily want to be a part of them and then the, the war with them has left you essentially at the point of extinction i can understand why they've ended up becoming a bit more um i don't know like coveted like they're, 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 and then they end up being a bit more selfish um and they kind of yeah. fall back to that typical vampire-ness um, but it is funny how yeah they've, they've, they've let's say downplayed it. I think they actually got quite a lot of flavor text to to push that agenda.
0: I think we will see a story which will involve vampires as well because as of yet, uh, with three side stories and three main stories that have been out at time of recording, we've yet to see any vampire characters at all. Um, so yeah, I think we will. Mm. But yeah, that's me, Drana. Uh What else you got? Uh,
1: so one of the things I thought was really interesting is that um, the world building that we did seem to get. Um, does seem to have a lot of it is focusing on the skyclaves and there's a lot of little hints um that i think maybe um doesn't hint of a more interesting story but it is a shame that the retcon of oh never forget the aldrazi there's actually these really even more important and more impressive structures that were here beforehand is a bit it does it kind of almost like a slight disservice because you get cars like Shoalsath soul shatter and our kind of emiria that have direct um references to the power and the systems that were in place before even the aldrazi were here and obviously that's kind of what nahiri's pushing her agenda from the story towards uh, but the problem is because it happened thousands of years ago it's almost like oh you know that really interesting thing that happened that we can't actually show you because it happened ages ago and it's almost like oh you could have had that but remember that we gave you indrazi instead but we're not going to talk about those either because mm. I think I think there are it's, 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 the the reason I bring it up is because there are, as I say, cards like Shoal Shatter that kind of talk about how um the Kargans fought again and, and had a rebellion against one of the Skyclaves. Even in the latest uh, story there's a, a hint of a, a Boonan's rebellion against the Balaged Skyclave, and then the Archon of Amirias, and this a quote from Nyssa saying about how they uphold um uphold like uh, one second, let me let me grab the actual uh, card. Um Archons dispense justice according to an ancient and flawed premise. Now, mm. this I like because it does create um, it is essentially creating this juxtaposition of how why do we believe that Nahiri is right and why do we believe that Nissa is right? We already know why is correct from her point of view because we've got quite a lot about her. Um, the point of view from Nahiri, it's funny that we're presenting she, she's presenting um, a, an argument that the royals really really bad and obviously it kills people daily and you know without the royal you know things might be a little bit more calmer. But then uh, the, the sub the sub theme is that actually the core the core kind of like. Bastards, tyrannical bastards, and the way that things used to be done wasn't necessarily the good way. Um, so it's quite a funny that, to think that Nahiri, obviously from her point of view, thinks she's doing really, really well. But there's no, there's almost zero hint that the Skyclaves were anything but bad. Um, even Mm. from the flavor text talking about how each one had a rebellion against it um, it's quite interesting to to almost it's almost like talking of a war that we're never going to have any actual like any real information or perspective on Um, but it is interesting that we do get some flavor beats throughout the set that kind of hint at this idea that the Skyclaves were this giant you know like um, a defining factor of the plane before the Eldrazi came and it's a shame that I would have been, in- it, it would be really interesting to see almost like a, a what if of the plane if the Adrazi hadn't come and, and how the plane would have adapted otherwise without having the Royal to kind of impede the Skyclave's, um, like, prominence. Um, but yeah, the cards like of very interesting for that regard.
0: I kind of like the mystery, though, if I'm honest with you, because it's the same sort of thing of, it's this, um, what's the word, nostalgia, I suppose, for a different time that, and we're going to show our sort of lefty liberal wicks here a little bit but it's the kind of thing where a lot of uh, nationalist parties especially in things like europe and i guess in in sort of some parts of the u.s as well although i'm not i'm not going to presume to talk about u.s politics um especially when we have some many us listeners it's, it'll be a little bit rich for us to talk about it but here in europe there's um there's a lot of like nationalist parties in the uk as well that kind of prey on this idea of like oh do you remember when things were simpler when we had like this was a thing, and this was a social idea, and this was like an order, and all this kind of stuff. And it's always very rose-tinted, and on paper, it always seems really nice. Like, Nahiri doesn't want the royal, it's tumultuous, it, it kills people. She wants to have the Order of the Skyclaves, when the core had lots of power to you know, heal Zendikar. But it always kind of whitewashes over all of the bad stuff. Like in our hey, own society, whitewashes. I I like that. Hey, there we go. <laughs> um So you know, in our own societies, we always kind of go, oh, do you remember a simpler time? And it's like, yeah, when people were way more racist than the racism we already experienced today, or like when people didn't have opportunities. Yeah,
1: remember polio? God, that was great. We, we, we didn't know how to cure that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. it's like,
0: you're, you want to take us, you want to drag people back to a simpler time. And Nahiri wants to drag Zendikar back to a simpler time where mm. she believes things were safer. When really what she means is, is that she wants to drag Zendikar back to a time when things were safer for her. Um, yeah. And where her guilt no longer exists, so I kind of like the mystery of it because it kind of it adds this thing where Nahiri is never necessarily a hundred percent in the wrong because she is right. Things were less tumultuous back then. I kind of feel like if we saw a what if or we did like a massive flashback or we delved too deep into it, I kind of really? think like it would take some of the duality out of Nihiri's mm. thing. But I do know what you mean. I would like to see, I think I would like to see maybe just a visual of Zendikar if the core was still the dominant race on the, yeah. uh, on the plane. Yeah. I also um, think it's
1: quite ironic that it's that what's he have done a retcon of Zendikar whilst also painting Nihiri who wants to retcon Zendikar as the bad person. <laughs> Do you think, I think there's yeah, a certain meta true. irony to that, which I hadn't really thought about until you just started say, saying it like that. But yeah, no, I don't yeah. know what you mean. I, do, I think the whole point of reason why I want to know more is because they've done a really good job of creating that mystery of giving you just enough to make you go, "Oh, that's so interesting. I wish yeah. we had more." Um, but obviously, then the point is that once you get something, it's no longer got the mystery. You know, once you open your present, you know what it is, and it's no longer a surprise. So yeah, I do. I do get. Yeah, I do understand what you mean.
0: Uh, no, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's an interesting thought. I never really thought about about. How would we see Zendikar if it was completely ruled by the Skyclaves again? Um, Yeah, interesting. I'm sure the story will go some way if Nahiri is in any way uh, successful in her mission throughout the story. I'm sure we'll get to see more and more glimpses as we go along. Mm. Um, Yeah, cool. Um, My next little flavor bit, this one's kind of a quick one. Uh, I'm going to talk about Grackmore Skyclave Ravager. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is our Hydra horror. I mean, straight away, Hydra horror. I love a horror what the fuck does that mean
1: (laughs) did we have a conversation about this already where we're like how do you add horror as an appendage as a a class type to a creature i like the fact it's almost like a class type now Mm. okay like how 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 are you you were an elder version i'm a horror version you know like we we spoke
0: about it we spoke about it when we were talking about the Acoria. uh oh yeah the nightmares right and things Mm -hmm. like that how do you make a a nightmare nightmare. horror a nightmare horror you're like well that's what oh <laughs> a i'm, a, I'm horror? a warrior fighter see yeah. a daydream horror <laughs> yeah sure like it's just but anyway like horror is just that kind of thing to basically go I, I suppose it's their thing like beast right where beast is just something that's bestial and uh sort of savage horror mm. is something that's outwardly terrifying unknown and terrifying yeah. yeah yeah um anyway so Greg Moore, Skyclave ravager he looks like a meaty boy philip uh berberan um I always say his name wrong? yeah Berberum uh is the artist very cool something I've noticed, and this is the thing i this was my little flavor pick. This is something that they do really well uh in magic art direction where they use um what is it birds for scale is the is the yeah term- there's the terminology yeah. There's the term where if you want to show that something's really big or tall, you put birds in the artwork because everyone knows what a rough size of a bird is, and so if they're tiny little dots on the horizon compared to your monster or your your building or your ship, or whatever, you get a sense of scale. Um, something that magic does really well is that artists use this trope but flip it completely on its head. And the way that they've done it in this artwork, Philip Berberans used a <laughs> a Skyclave geopede as his bird for scale. So you see Gracknall's got three heads and on his uh, far left head. In the background, no less, you see the head munching down on a geopede, um, which in itself isn't, like, in the context of this uh, artwork isn't too much. But then when you go to Skyclave Geopede, which is a creature in the set, um, also illustrated by Philip Berberan, you see that, uh, wrenched from the ground, like a dirt-caked rock, the ancient Skyclave wriggled with life. And you see the Geopede in its full form. Um, my point kind of falls down a little bit because there's nothing in the Geopede's artwork to show its own scale. But we're given to believe that they're pretty big. And I think there's other flavour text and there's some other flavor beats. Like in the um, first mainline story, Nyssa and Hiri have to fight a Geopede in the Skyclave that they're trying to uh, go through. So if you've read that story, you understand that they're actually these colossal beings. So to see Greckmore munching down on one. And it's a nice little time with the artist, like the same artist did both illustrations. And I think it's just kind oh. of a nice little through Um, Yeah. It's just, just my little flavor highlight. I think I've had a fever dream because I'm pretty sure that I have read somewhere
1: that Grackmore um, sheds its skin. It's almost like a molting hydra. Um, that's why when, it mechanically when it dies, it creates another one. But then looking through its um, flavour um, slide or whatever, it doesn't say it. It might have just been some strange fever dream that I, I dreamt this up. I'm sure I read somewhere that it sheds its skin and it's almost like a molting hydra. That's why it gets bigger and has, a, has something which is terrifying in its own regard.
0: Is half of almost everything you know about Magic the Gathering something that you've made up when you've gone to sleep? I hope not, because a lot of it turns out to be true. <laughs> and that would make me an oracle,
1: Andy. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm saying, though, on the same point of the Geopete, um scale, though, um, that kind of leads into my um, my, my, my kind of my more um, whimsical thing, is that um, hmm. Nimara Skittesneak is riding a geopede. Um, yes, which kind of does give it a little bit of scale. Yes, it might it might not look exactly the same as it's a bit more of a hairy GOP. But I mean, if if that scales anything to go by, yeah, I mean that that that, that Grackmore is pretty huge. Um, but then kind of like segueing from that point, um, in this set, interestingly enough, there are, there were there were quite a lot of um, mounts, um, which I think since Acoria, I think they've just realised that it's quite interesting to put people on mounts. Um, yeah, for sure. The other mounts that we have is we have someone riding a falcon. We've got someone riding a mower. There's even a flavour text of um of, of somebody who's named um, the Legac, um Skink, which is quite cool. There's someone riding um, a volcanic elemental. Um, as I say, there's someone riding a Geopeda, We also have uh, the Sky Manta return because there was Sky Manta Patrol, I think, from the original Car. And obviously you Could be have a Kaza, a here,
0: Outrider Kabira yeah, Outriders exactly. riding a giant yeah.
1: bird, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got um, Kaza who rides her her wizard staff. So I do like this idea. That they can <laughs> she continue- served it around. I know. Yeah, so cool. really I've got cool. one of her pre-ordered already. Um, but yeah, there is this idea that i kind of kept this almost companion aspect um, kind of thing um, going on. Um, but yeah, I just kind of linked in from that, that GOP. That was just one of those things I noticed I was going through. I was like, oh, better go back and check how many things people are riding. And it's actually quite a few things. The fact that someone's riding an elemental um, in one of yeah. the cards is it, it's absolutely amazing. Um, yeah
0: and there's lots of wings going on as well like not only just the core sky sailors but uh wind right wind rider wizard god the tongue twisters in this oh sale. why do they do that um, <laughs> i know uh he's just got like a pair of ethereal wings that he's just rocking like because obviously mm. everything's floating zendikar is a plane of floating structures so Gravity you gotta ride exist. something yeah you gotta ride something and not everyone can sling a rope like a Kiri can. Mm. um Move. That's actually quite a nice segue. I did not mean to do that. Hey! Uh, Akiri <laughs> uh, is my next one. Uh, what's her name? Akiri, Fearless Voyager. So, yeah, we got a new Akiri card. Mm. And it's interesting, actually, that so Akiri Lineslinger was one of the partner pairings from the 2014... I keep saying 2014, I hope that's right. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was 2014. Ah, oh, whatever. The 2022 fucking, like, precons. Uh The Commander precons. Um <laughs> She was the Boros... Uh, one of the two Boros... Uh, partner pairings and we didn't know much about her. I think it was fairly clear what her deal was. People were kind of excited to see a legendary core that was in a different set because that's what commander precons are good at. They're good at uh, pulling in all these different uh, races and creature typings from other planes and giving them like new life. Um, and then when we saw that she was in the trailer and all these different things going around, people were like, oh shit, there's going to be a new Akiri. And I think the artwork by uh, Ekaterina Burmack. um was actually in an article that they had on the mothership that I noticed, yeah. but the card the hadn't been released yet. Right, yes. So yeah, but we hadn't seen a new card. So it was very clear yeah. that we were going to get a new card of her. Um, very cool. I love a new look as well, where she's got more of her core armor on, which is gives her kind of more of a geared up version of her than what we see in her original artwork. I think I've already spoken about this before. But it's her abilities that I really enjoy. So, uh, Akiri Fearless Voyager. One red-white for a Core Warrior 3-3. Whenever you attack a player with one or more equipped creatures, draw a card. Uh, Then you may pay a white. You may attach an equipment from a creature you control. Unattach an equipment from a creature you control. If you do, tap that creature and it gains indestructible until end of turn. Now, we're not going to talk about how people are fluctuating on the idea that the new Boris Commander lets you draw a card if you attack one player. Because, also, that's not true. A lot of people have kind of gone, oh, but it forces you to attack one player. And it's like, no, you can attack as many players as you like. And it's it, scales. You draw card. Exactly, yeah, it scales. Yeah, scales. I've seen a lot of weird takes about this card. It's a good Boris Commander. That's all I'm going to say about it. But it's the, mm-hmm. it's the flavor of the abilities that I really love. So, firstly, when it's a, uh, equipped... You draw a card. So, the whole idea of Akiri is that she's this kind of fearless, uh, like, lineslinger who can go up to Skyclaves and go up to the highest heights in Zendikar, who can go full pelt through all the different uh, Sky Ruins while just flinging her lines from hook to hook. So, I love this idea that when she has her equipment, when she is all geared up, she can gain greater knowledge, i.e., drawing cards from your deck. It's just a really nice, direct link because you can't really uh facilitate having your having a skyclave on the battlefield unless they make a card for it there's no like direct comparison so having the skyclaves be represented by your library, the treasures within be the cards that you draw, and her lines be any equipment because obviously they don't wanna like um restrict it be put onto her or any creature you control. And it's like she's leading her party or also, because you can put it on equipped creatures, uh, other equipped creatures. But it's the pay one weight, you may unattach an equipment to give something indestructible. That's really interesting. Because there are several points in the story, and obviously just sort of several points, that anyone who does like rock climbing will tell you, that there are several points where sometimes your equipment fails you and you have to make very quick decisions. So I like the idea that If you get into trouble or if a creature that you're about to have destroyed by an opponent is about to be targeted by something, you can cut a line or cut the equipment and it gives it indestructible. So it's like it's saving it from a perilous rock slide or saving it from a turn that it didn't expect. And I just love the sort of dynamic abilities that this card has. I mean, the artwork as well does a really good job of showing Akiri being very agile and kind of flinging through all the different ruins. But yeah, just everything about this card. Like, the other Akiri was also an Equipment Matters. Um, do you know? I can't quite remember what her abilities are. Do you remember what Akiri Line yeah. does?
1: Yeah, she was a uh, First Strike, um, Vigilance, plus one, plus zero for each um, artifact you control, and she's a zero
0: two. Yeah, exactly. So it's like she gets more pon- uh, potent yeah. when you have. She was in the Brea deck, so
1: she obviously just wants wanted to just yeah. get a bunch of tokens, but yeah.
0: Which was fine. And also for a character that no one really knew much about, I think she appeared on a few flavor texts, could be wrong. Um... That was fine, but this now gives her a much more fleshed out feeling mm. also me you and i off um off of record were talking about should the Akiri cards have flying um I'm going to yeah. say i'm going to say no, and I'm also going to say no even when they're equipped because within the flavor of this card, and I know on some other cards which have similar abilities, it doesn't quite track, but for this individual instance, she herself doesn't have flying. And having an artifact doesn't make her fly. She would have flying if she was using equipment that gave her flying, if that makes sense. So the equipment Mm -hmm. itself had a quick creature has flying. So I think it still tracks that even though her whole thing is that she defies gravity through her uh, line slinging, Mm -hmm. she herself doesn't have flying or reach. I think it still works. Yeah, I think there's a flavor conversation about the difference
1: between flying reach and the line of text of can only be blocked by creatures with flying. That's something we might look into um in the same kind of debate if we did for, like creature types um and that kind of thing. Because it's it is interesting that sometimes when they present a creature that has reach, you're like, but that's quite small. And then there are some creatures that you're like, how does that not have reach? <laughs> like so I think that's an interesting question. But yeah, I mean, realistically, um she's not flying. She's she can't she can't be she can't fly without there being ground to attach to kind of thing Mm -hmm. so at that point I don't think you can count it as flying if you can't fly without the assistance of something else I don't think you should be able to have flying and one thing I do think is interesting about the idea that if you attack multiple different players and they're all all your creatures are equipped you draw multiple cards is that she's the head of an expedition party Mm. you know the idea is that if you've got a a fully kitted out party and they will go exploring into these different places the reality is that she's highly successful and they will come back with loot so I think yeah. Yeah, that, that that the dynamism of, of the abilities to kind of ec- explain and explore um, her character and her her own in world abilities, um, yeah, it's very succinct and it's carried off very well.
0: Yeah, so I think it's a great card. I think I think it's a great Boris Commander. Um, I don't understand some of the sourness on it. To be honest with you, there's, No. There's it says draw so a much... card on it. What what do you bloody it says want? Draw a card and you attack, which is what Boris. If you can draw three to... cards, you could draw three cards a turn. I know. from know, whatever, whatever. I great. know, I know. People <laughs> are like, well, I don't want Boris to attack. It's like, well, that's what it. Like Does
1: you, you, you finally gave me a commander that I can put Zerda as a companion for and not have to go into other colors? Like, just don't, don't just start complaining about it. All right, let me yeah, have my yeah. thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, no one's um, complaining that they keep giving black white life gain. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, black white. God, it ramps I you am. I don't, know why, I don't know why they're not. That's annoying. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want my black white commander to make three three tramplers and ramp me out as well yeah well i mean we'll that's the careful. state saying that a boris commander <laughs> shouldn't attack like yeah oh well yeah, whatever I, I whatever what you mean yeah i went well, down the hole yeah. i said i wasn't going to do it and then i went down <laughs> you it. Did it, right well let's let's come back with something
1: really really light um, and easy remember remember scootmob <laughs> yes yeah, yeah, remember, remember scootbug from his original zender car and the flavor text uh, was uh survival rule uh, seven eight one by zerdy goblin Shortcutter, which was um there are always more scoot bugs well scoot swarm in this set uh survival rule seven eight two there are always more Scoop Bugs <laughs> by Serdi, Goblins Shortcutter. It's, it's not only a continuation of flavour text between... Th- from I don't even want to say I want to say about ten years worth of sets because Scoot Mob was in the original Zender Car, but it's almost a direct quote from um, Fight Club as well, which makes me all all smiles and giggles inside. And the fact that it's one of the few times you see them not use the ital- italicism for the letters. Um, it's always not in bold, but in normal letters, which makes it look bold. And it's that, that I just like that idea of where mm. this, this swarm has continued. Forget the Aldrazi like in, in invasion, all that nonsense that happened. No, these scoots, these scoots are still going, buddy. I'd be surprised if we don't go back to Zender Car the next time and it's just it's just scoop playing. You know, mm. which would be quite fine. Plus, I've just said yeah. scoop several
0: times. And I quite like that word. So that's quite good. Um, it's an interesting word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scoom Mom. Scoom Mom's cool. I do like it. Very cool. Um, my next one is also a continuation thing. So there's lots of references in this set. You've just said one there, um, and obviously in every return set they try and have some kind of like backdating or flavour. Like in the Ravnica sets, you always see the continuation of the Goblin who's working his way through the Boros Legion and keeps oh, getting right. up So it's going to be it's going to be cool. like bloody angel by the next
1: time we see him. It's going to be crazy.
0: If we don't have Goblin Angel Warrior in the next set, then I'll be very upset. <laughs> um, but the one the one of the big ones, one of the kind of like marquee cards this kind of uh, reference back to some of the previous Zandikar sets. And this is also one which before it was released people were whinging about, oh, why haven't we seen this? Why haven't we seen that? And then they released this card. is Forsaken Monument, uh, which is the mm. five-drop legendary artifact. All my highlights seem to be legends at this point, which is a bit weird. Um, art by Peter Dura. Uh, and it is a continuation of Eldrazi Monument. So this is one of the few cards in the set which really uh reference the Eldrazi like head on, like a lot of I the other artworks. I think it might be the only one. I'm not gonna potentially. Uh, a lot of the other artworks tend to have like some of the bismuth which um Coslet left behind. Mm. Or reference to things like, you know, what we said in the last episode where it's referencing what people have lost and then some of the equipment that they've made since then. But none of them actually have an Eldrazi on it, or like a direct, like, oh look at that fucking Eldrazi over there thing on it. Whereas this one absolutely does. Um, so it's a colorless creatures. You control, get the plus two plus two. Whenever you tap a permanent for colorless, add an additional colorless. Whenever you cast colorless spell, you gain two life. So it's the full on colorless uh, artifact. Um, and the flavor text is: "We shall forever roam." Ailey, High Priest of the Eternal Pilgrims, which is a nice callback to Ailey, Eternal Pilgrim, which is a legend from the previous time we were at Zendikar, and one of your commanders as well, that you run in your commander mm. decks, Nathan. Um, and this follows on from the flavor text from Eldrazi Monument, which was in... Was it in the first? First Eldrazi, one, yeah. 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 Um, yeah gods don't... OG Zendikar. Uh, Gods don't die, they merely slumber. Ailey, Kazma Cleric. So it kind of gives uh, Ailey as a character a full sort of character arc, because I don't think we'll see... We obviously haven't got a card for her, and I'm not sure if we'll see her in stories. So it's nice to kind of bring her back. Um, But there's a lot of visual clues here. Uh, I'll be honest, this one is one which I researched a bit, and actually, there's an article which I will link in the show notes uh, by the one and only Janelli of Vorthos Cast and cool Stuff, cool Stuff Inc., where he does his article of flavor highlights, which is very similar to what we're doing. And Eldrazi Monument is, uh, Forsaken Monument, sorry, is the big one. So um, I will admit that a lot of my knowledge of this card comes from that article and me going back and going, oh, yeah. Um, so, for example, the links between Eldrazi Monument, the big Eldrazi figure, which we see in Eldrazi Monument, which some say is a statue. I'm not sure, uh, is uh, a direct reference to the one in the background of Forsaken Monument, although it seems quite a bit bigger in Forsaken Monument, but I think that might just be a perspective thing. I think it
1: also would be utterly different in terms of like the um, um, position it's in. Mm. Like I'm pretty sure that in Dal Drazi Monument, it's not only interior rather than exterior, but it's made more tentacly, whereas this one seems to be a little
0: bit more um, ulamoggy rather than sure. you know, um, uh, emerically. Yes, uh, it's, it's definitely a direct reference, though. Uh, the Mark Tedden art, by the way, for El Eldrazi Monument is really cool, so go check mm. it out. Uh, the cubes that were also the kind of cubic hedrons, as opposed to the polyhedric ones uh, that are in El Eldrazi Monument, are also crashed to the ground in Forsaken Monument and now has uh, sort of flora and fauna growing on them. And you can see, as we said, for birds of scale, we've got humans to scale in this one, because you can see, mm. or rather, I suppose, by pedal race for scale, because they're not all humans on Zendikar, because um, you see some figures in the foreground as well. So this is just a really nice reference to Zendikar as it was, and the fact that yes, the Eldrazi do seem to be completely fucked on the plane now, because um, even their monuments have crashed to the ground and are now just giant husks of what once was. Um, I am kind when I saw this card, I was sort of scared for the Zendikari <laughs> in a narrative perspective of thinking, is that. Statue just going to get up at some point. <laughs> it just yeah, looks like right. it's about to stand up and start wreaking <laughs> havoc. But I don't think so. I think it's just going to be there as a monument to um mm. to what once was. It'd be dumb of them to do old Jaws again on Zendikar. It'd be yeah. I'm dumb.
1: very I'm always surprised that they managed to hold back so much on. The, I'm I'm glad that they did give us at least one card. Um, I know that they very much wanted to draw a line under. It's almost like you know when when a company listens to that that one customer who complains so much and changes the entire protocol of the business, and everyone else is going, but we. Why did you listen to that person just because they were being like... Mm. It almost felt a little bit like that of where they went, okay, let's just take every single thing of Eldrazi away from the set. Let's completely divorce it, which is fine. And it works. It gave Zendikar a chance to shine on its own again. Because arguably a lot of what made Zendikar the original Zendikar interesting was the uh, the hints at these Eldrazi gods and things in the background. Um, So it is kind of good to have the set stand by itself. But it was interesting for them to literally dial it back so far to the point of where they almost ignore it beyond this one card.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I like it. I like them, and I also like the fact that it's such a striking game piece as well, just both visually and like mechanically. That mm. I think it's it was a good call. It was a good call to do like yeah. a marquee legendary card as the kind of remember the Eldrazi, um, mm. and then just leave it at that, as opposed to having like commons filled up with with colourless yeah. bollocks.
1: It's also um, interesting because yeah. it's separated from the set in the fact that there aren't any cards in the set that I can see that make a uh, colorless um, mana. So it doesn't actually syner- synergize with any of the cards in the set. There are very few colorless spells in the set that you are like to be playing, um, and there are a few colorless creatures. So it's almost like it is, even though it is the one, the one little card, it is still utterly divorced from everything else that's going on within the set, which is quite apt for an Eldrazi card because they always felt like they were a bit alien. So yeah, good. Good job.
0: Mm, cool. What else you got?
1: So my next one um, is a um, a little bit more. Again, I've got my my highlights tend to be more whimsical, um, and it's the um, da 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 da. Uh, oh, oh no, oh, so I've scrolled too far. I've scrolled too far. Cargan intimidator. <laughs> um, the fact that we've got the line of text that uh, I think makes lots of people happy: cowards can't block warriors. Now, considering we've made a whole set, the set. Specifically uh, revolves around the four different classes, uh, one of which being um, Warrior for the party. I'm really glad they brought this back in because it's not just an ancillary thing that they added. Uh, um, by the way, the original card being Boldwear Intimidator that was originally in Lorwin and I think got a reprint um, more recently. Um, I like the fact they've done it in this set, because if Warriors are a thing, this is probably the perfect time to plonk it in. Border Intimidator isn't the best card. uh, It's not the most competitive or the most aggressively costed, whereas Cargan Intimidator is a nice two mana, three one. um, And it has the ability to make um, any any creature a coward and then make any Warrior... uh, Sorry, so so cowards can't block warriors, and it, can, it gives the opportunity to give any coward, uh, any creature into a coward. So you can't block your warriors. Um, that's fantastic. If you can just make an entire deck around warriors and making your and your opponent's creatures cowards, that's genius. The fact you can make mm. things like these, I can turn a Hydra Horror into a Hydra Horror coward. <laughs> you know, that that's that's the kind of thing. To imagine that makes you go, oh, yum, lovely, fantastic. It's not just base basic using of creature classes. It's actually like you know, uh, um, creative um, and and almost meta calls for the creature types. Because I do uh, agree that you know sometimes. If you get a four four cleric, you're like, "Oh, you're a bit of a beefy cleric, aren't you?" You know, <laughs> or if you have like a rogue that's like a six one or something like that, or a one, you know, there are some things that just don't make sense, you know, when you're thinking about it from a mechanical to flavor point of view. Um, whereas cowards can't block warriors, I think is one of the most flavorful lines of rules text in the game. So I'm really glad they brought it back.
0: Yeah, for sure, hundred uh, percent. I I think it's it's something they can do a lot more with because it's not tied down to a plane, right? Cowards no, exist exactly. everywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there are warriors on every plane. So yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And obviously they have used it in, in different cards and things. I just think it it's one of those ones that they could quietly, if they really wanted to, make evergreen across a lot of sets. Just have one or two. Yeah, right. In That's general, wonderful. like, so you know,
1: wolves can't block, cowards can't block warriors. Yeah. That should just be a basic yeah. thing. But I don't think they'd ever print it on an actual card. Like, you know how they added noble and, um, was it peasant? They had peasant in Eldraine? It was peasant, wasn't it?
0: Yes.
1: So yeah, so sure. I, th- I can't remember what it is now. Time I know it's definitely noble. Uh, I can't remember what the other one is now. Oh, I think it was peasant. Anyway, yeah. The point, point being, I don't think I'll start adding a class of um, oh, this is the human coward. Though I could uh, again I, as soon as I say that, I'm like, but that would be
0: disappointing. That could work quite well. Anyway. It's easy. Why? Anyway. Why wouldn't you? Human uh, coward. you? Human can't coward. think of something else. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think that's pretty cool. Mm. Uh, my last one. This is just a quick one because I part of the reason I think this is interesting is because we don't have a lot of it. Um so the legendary is Tabarax Hope's Demise you mentioned him earlier um, legendary creature Demon Cleric 2 and a black for a 2-2 who the fuck is Tabarax yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who are you mate explain yourself <laughs> so on his little um flavour thing that we got in the mothership and this didn't hint that he was going to be in any stories future or past so mm. I don't know how much we're going to get of him we'll see um he It says that after the Eldrazi fell, that the uh, inhabitants of Zendikar started to try and put their devotion... Some of them tried to put their devotion into the demons of the plane. Now, firstly... I don't. What, know. you we've always, Yeah, <laughs> like demons are obviously quite a big deal on Zendikar because we've seen, like, we've seen the the Planeswalker um, Obnixilus, Obnixilus, for example, yeah. turn into yeah, turn into a demon. But they've I've kind of felt that, especially since the Eldrazi kind of came over and became just the thing about Zendikar, that the demons, especially, just kind of fell into the background a bit because angels were still obviously tied to Emira and other races had all their shit going on, but the demons stuff seemed seemed a little bit un-Zendikari, if that made sense. Like, other planes yeah. do demons better. Um, yeah, you don't
1: need demons. It's almost like a F- Kaladesh as well. When I actually found out there were a couple of, like, Kaladeshi ones, I'm like, but did the set... Did you need demons? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah I know what you mean. That drives way more intimidating.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I kind of feel like angels and demons especially are, are the kind of thing which, mm, like, the the world-building team sort of thinks that more planes have them than not, for example. So, like, mm. it's just the de facto... White manner versus black manner manifestations are these two kind of creature types. So if your plane can fit them in, they can. But I'm just—it was just interesting to me that there's this lone demon cleric in the set, as far as I can see, and he does actually have another card that reference, references him, which is Demon's Disciple, which is a three-one human cleric. It's essentially another fleshbag more order, which is kind of interesting. Hits hmm. um, planeswalkers as well. Uh, t- uh, Tabarax's cultists are the latest in a long history of beings who have desired to see Zendikar torn to pieces. So he's got a cult behind him, and it feels to me he he has similar vibes to me as Belzenlock from Dominaria, you know, in the Cabal. Hmm. Yeah, it's got a similar yeah. sort of thing going on, a similar sort of look as well. Um, and yeah, I'm just it was just interesting that they've they've dropped this guy in. They've given him another card, and he's obviously like a legendary, but they've really not expanded more on. And I kind of. Like, the world-building team aren't idiots. I know a lot of people would say that they probably are, and they don't know what they're doing, but they're not, and they do. Um, And I kind of feel like this is a character that if people are interested, because they might not do anything with them, but this is definitely one of those little pathways they've opened up for themselves, wherein, you know, Zendikar 4.0, or maybe a Commander set which focuses more on Zendikar, or maybe in Commander Legends-esque sets, not Commander Legends because they've already printed that, but in other sets that are similar if they want to do Zendikar legendaries that aren't Eldrazi, but are still big bads, they've now given themselves one in the form of Tabarax. Um, and it won't feel so jarring because they've kind of filtered him him, ugh, him here into the set. Um, I don't know. What are your th- thoughts and feelings on Tabarax?
1: I mean, I like the idea it's a demon cleric. It's a shame that the first demon cleric we've ever got does get outshined, And this is the other thing. Once Eldrazi have gone, okay, you had Halo Hunter from the original Zendikar, fair enough. Like, cool, like demons aren't impressive when you've got eldritch monstrosities. But now yeah. that they're gone, it's surprising that our first ever Demon Cleric, when that was a big, one of those things that they put up when they give you a list of information from the set before they give you spoilers to kind of give you a taste of what's to come. And that was one of the ones they put. there. put Angel Wizard, which was, oh, interesting. We've not had an Angel Wizard before. And then Demon Cleric, which, okay, also really interesting. What the hell makes him a cleric? From what I can see, everything about him just continues to make him a, a demon. Like what? What makes him clerical in any way, shape, or form?
0: I suppose you know? it's the kind of quasi-religious aspect. But then, all demons have that.
1: All de- exactly, because it's the it's yeah. the antithesis to an angel. An angel. This is the th- the thing where you say, oh, they just layer demons and angels onto any set. I feel like it should only work for sets that have a massive combination of either white or black manner. Considering Zendikar's obviously had most of its manner, you know, bleached throughout um, mm. throughout the years. Even if they are retconning to say that's not really a thing, and we're going to ignore it happened. That you should have a massive quantity of white or black mana to be able to produce demons and angels because they are considered to be manifestations of pure manner. But I also feel like there should be this aspect of faith behind them to be able to allow, allow that to happen. The counterpoint to that is I think that most planes could do with not having angels because positivity is a hard thing to to coalesce into one point, whereas negativity, and despair, you know, and hate and anger and all these things are actually quite easy to 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 build on. They build by themselves quite naturally. So I can understand why demons. could be more prevalent but then if they are going to be if you're going to make a legendary demon cleric and it's the first of its kind then maybe elucidate on it a little more. Yeah I sort
0: of feel like um, maybe they are a little bit unsure as to how to differentiate demons in general because angels they have swung Uh, and kind of had a few home runs with them so for example Mm -hmm. like the the angels and demons of kaladesh you brought it up a little bit earlier those were interesting in as much as they were artificial constructs that were then imbued with black and white mana from the plane right so they Mm -hmm. were still like artifice um made sort of sentient by by the plane itself rather than just being pure because they they have the the ether on kaladesh as opposed to mana in its purest sense then they have angels on places like Amon Kep, which are the only male angels that we've seen, which were kind of enslaved to Bolas, but they were also well, they were created more like... by him, which
1: is why they're yeah. male because obviously they're, yeah. art- they're artificially made; they're not uh, naturally forming.
0: Yeah, and their and their role is less of guardians of the people and more just like kind of stalwarts of the tradition, all that kind of thing. Mm. Then you have angels on places like Dominaria and Ravnica, where they're more warlike, and then you have angels on places like uh, Innistrad, which they are obviously they're little obviously combative, but they're, they're also direct sort of guardian angel figures. They're much more benevolent. To, much more benevolent as opposed to just kind of these uh, this other race of humanoid looking things. Mm. Um, whereas demons, they have done some interesting stuff. So like Tarkir has your um, Rakasha, your cat demons. Yeah, yeah, but then yeah. they also had actual demons. As in, like, yeah. Like, why do you need to do both? Yeah, it's just, I kind yeah. of feel like demon more so than angel could probably be one of those creature typings where they are. It's more of a descriptive moniker, like the cat yeah. demons from um, from Tarkir, like the Rakasha, like Rakshasa. Ruk- Rakshasa, oh yeah. my lord! I'm so sorry. <laughs> they are, that's actually like a proper, like, um, sort of real world. Uh, tradition thing as well so if I fuck up the name it's not even like it's a fantasy name. Um, oh, oops, but yeah, it's a made
1: up word. It's all not a made, made up, up, up word. Yeah. I mean all words are made up yeah <laughs> um
0: so yeah I kind of feel I I just sort of feel like they were definitely they're definitely trying something with, with Tabaraks, and I'll be interested mm-hmm. to see where they go. I just hope we don't end up with another Bells and lock but it's just mm-hmm. interesting to see that they've given a legendary creature slot to this character. Mm-hmm. When Why not female when
1: as well like we still female have demon, female are there demons are female demons well, well yes Brandon- we know
0: children of the nameless exactly you're gonna yeah, say it as Brandon well anderson's novel yeah they yeah. have female demons. directly
1: doing it in, in the same way there's very 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 few uh male angels and obviously has, the, the ones from amokat have a reason for being male they have completely mm. utterly avoided doing female demons probably for you know kinky reasons because i understand the connotation typically but there was no reason to make the first demon cleric a a, fee- a feminine it doesn't have to be, you know, tits and arse. It could just be the fact that it's got a female gender to it. I mean, you know, and things like demons, like for, for things like demons, I mean, if they're not producing, this is well I don't know why we always end up sending into like conversations of reproduction, but like if demons aren't reproducing, like, you know, by typical you know uh, biological means then obviously they might not even need the whole you know the the, the tits thing so I mean, does it really matter to gender to, to genderify them that kind of thing but the no, yeah, they they, they
0: always they do always present them as male i wonder why is it, i mean that's a that's a very big conversation yeah, i think yeah, it's yeah. i yeah. think it's to keep them the antithesis of the uh, usually female gendered angels mm-hmm. um which is I fine it's reason, just obviously yeah.
1: eventually you're going to have to break your um your tradition and it'll just be interesting to see when they do it and how they do it um yeah Mm. that's why i think my initial gripe at the beginning of where certain planes um, certain legends don't have flavor text and even when you get that little bit of lore from them from the site you're like if that's all i'm going to get that's kind of not enough and again Mm. wanting more from something is good because it means you're presenting you with things that you want to um, investigate and want to indulge in but also
0: don't leave me hanging on everything you know Mm. yeah Um, so there we go but those those are my uh, so, because we already did the hype episode and it is yeah. very similar to what we're doing now, but it was more of an initial take. So, I didn't want to go over new old ground and just be like, oh, yeah, that thing that I was hyped for. Well, I'm still hyped for it. I wanted to do different stuff, right? Um, so, those are my flavor highlights. Those are the flavor beats that you've kind of picked up on. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see where the story goes now, now that we have the set. I still haven't got the physical cards in my hand, I wasn't able to attempt right. pre release. Um
1: I do also so, wanted to yeah. mention flavor text honorable mentions. Um, Iona is known to have still been disappeared. There's obviously no card from her as something that we were looking into. Jorianne has two flavor texts, so she's still alive mm-hmm. and good. Bruce Toll got two. Um, yep. One of the more interesting ones is it having a go at the cutest card in the entire set, the Canyon Jabra. Bruce Hull, for some reason, <laughs> having a massive go at it, which is also interesting because on um, Inordinate Rage, there's a Minotaur who has lost its absolute shit at Canyon Jebora eating a little berry, which if you want to look at any uh, any fl- any um, artworks uh, for interesting things, go and look at Inordinate Rage. It is utterly hilarious. It's literally <laughs> just a Minotaur screaming at Canyon Jebora, this little mouse uh, by Tomaz. um I'm not going to try and pronounce his surname because I'm really bad with surnames that are that complicated. Justedric?
0: Yeah. Just I don't yeah, know. Exactly. The guy did right. uh, Navigator. Uh, yeah, I know. terrible so yeah go go, go look at that so yeah yeah there are some really nice little flavor beats um i mean this is shaping up to be a cool set dude like Mm. there are there are plenty of legends that i wouldn't mind building around as well like i was also looking at Kaza. um royal is it royal rider is that what her her moniker is i want to say shaper royal chaser sorry there we go royal chaser yeah her little surfboard wizard staff thing Mm. pretty cool and her abilities are all pretty cool um yeah, I think it's a cool set, man. There's lots of flavor going on. There's, I think there's a nice balance between deference to older sets and pushing forward into new ground, which makes this Zendikar trip feel like it's a fresh take as opposed to just, oh, it's just the same plane, just carrying on. Like Ravnica, the like the recent times we've been to Ravnica, I love Ravnica. I have no issues with it. I, we've spoken about it. We've dedicated episodes talking about Ravnica. But Ravnica Religions and guilds didn't necessarily feel like a new... Return to Ravnica. Mm-hmm. It was just that was more of the growth, good stuff. Right? Yeah, it was yeah. more of the good stuff. Whereas this feels like it's yeah. a fresh take. This isn't know, a rehash. This is just a hash. You know, they've <laughs> hashed. They've hashed the. Uh, the, the oh, December what a hash
1: yeah well that that makes it sound negative but you know they've kind of obviously pulled oh, out it does, yeah. the main selling point of zendikar before was this adventuring into this mysterious kind of eldritchy kind of thing and then they kind of realized oh we lent on the wrong side of it we lent onto the eldritch invasion instead of leaning into the adventuring side so they went ah, let's just go back let's just go back and pretend it didn't happen which sometimes is good and it also shows that they're willing to listen and make massive not u-turns but massive di- like swings in direction when it comes to um the um, artistic direction of a set from the base level of of how the world looks all the way
0: up to you know how it functionally plays and everything so that is uh good to see it is good to see um guys if you have any flavor picks that we didn't mention or if you have any further comments on the flavor picks that we do have if you think our opinions are shit and you have no idea why we're the ones that have a podcast and you think you should have a podcast come join us (laughs) no yeah go come join us don't come join us we've there's too much going on with just the two of us um (laughs) let us know via our twitter at mt where we talk about flavor and magic and i show off when i win at commander or when i lose at commander as well at uh, mt flavoring again that's our twitter please hit that follow button so you can keep up with us and we can know who is listening uh, you can also send emails to mt at gmail.com my personal twitter is at andy manface nathan's yours is at the fox in the Main the Fox in the moon. Uh do you have any final comments? Not even about Zendikar, just just how are you? You're right. Tell
1: you what, this is like one of the nicest Septembers I've remembered in recent memory in terms of weather. We didn't do weather at the beginning of the episode, we did how we were, which no one cares about, so I'm gonna finish it off with the other thing that people don't care about, British weather. The sun is shining, I'm getting a bit sunburned. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the most lukewarm response.
0: Yeah well yeah. <laughs> i i just got back into jeans and uh, doc martens and now it's already too hot so oh yeah i've not just dis- i've not taken off at this tack top since i think february so
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well guys on that bombshell uh um... thank you so much for listening this has been magic the flavoring we'll see you soon <laughs>